Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we have Lance Maddox here with us, and he is going to tell you all about his experience inspecting homes in Austin as he runs a big home, a big home inspection company called LGM Inspections, and they help tons of investors and homeowners with that process. Hey, Lance, how are you? I'm doing absolutely wonderful. Jordan, I appreciate you allowing me uh, to be a part of this. Uh, I'm very excited. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been an amazing adventure starting up, uh, you know, home inspections, especially in this market. And it has, uh, it has been a wild ride. So um, any kind of information, any kind of way I can help any potential buyers. I know the landscape out there is hairy to say the least. So <laughs> we'll absolutely dig more into that. So real quick, who are you? And, you know, you kind of talked about it, but how are you involved with the real estate process? Well, again, like you said, my name is Lance Maddox. I'm the owner of LGM Inspections. Um, we're a company, uh, I would consider us a mid-sized company. We do roughly about a thousand inspections a year. And uh, at that point, I've got a team of three other inspectors, full office, um, and, you know, at the end of the day, our goal is to make sure our clients, uh, you know, are knowing what they're buying, uh, just to give them a full sense. So the transition is as smooth as possible. Um, past that, uh, you know, I've, I've been in the business a little over 10 years. Uh, I was brought into it by a 30 year home builder uh, who has joined with LGM inspections. Uh, you know, he's one of my lead inspectors and uh, confidant and go to guys. Uh, and just has been an invaluable resource. And, you know, his name is Bill Taman. Um, and it's just, you know, it's been a dynamic duo from the start. And then, of course, you know, as we've grown to, you know, kind of cater to the landscape, uh, you know, we have Jeff Deal and Mark Vanover uh, as my other two inspectors. Again, all well-seasoned mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, passionate. That, that's the most important thing. You have to be in our business, uh, customer service related as well. So. Yeah, no, I know Jeff's done a bunch for myself and clients of mine yeah. and always really there to make sure people really understand exactly what's going on with that house and what to look out for, really. So. Absolutely. I mean, there's you never know what you're going to walk into. I mean, sometimes people buy, you know, a 2018 uh, build, uh, so, you know, a three-year-old house. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I see some clients are like, we didn't even want this inspection. And, uh, you know, you'll, kind of, you'll, you'll get up into the attic as the inspector. And, you know, for the most part, it might be a fairly clean inspection. It's what we call a house that does have many deficiencies, uh, as you all know. But, you know, we'll get into the attic space. And sure enough, the furnace will be in there and there will be a gas leak as soon as you open the attic space. And you're just like, immediately, you're, like, you're talking to the sellers, you're talking to listing agents, you're talking to your buyers, you're trying to calm everybody down, but at the same time, you're trying to get the gas company out saying, this is an issue. It doesn't happen often, but you know, it's, it, it's definitely there. I mean, we have seen some pretty, let's call it interesting things. So, um, you know, in, in the landscape, I mean, I know everybody has to move so fast right now. And I know that's what makes, you know, everybody's job a little more difficult. Um, you know, in, in the home buying process right now, you've got to buy homes, you know, almost sight unseen sometimes just to be able to compete with all the other offers. So, of course, you know, we make it our duty. You know, if if our clients are going to have to go through that headache and hassle, we're going to be there every step of the way, meaning we're going to get out there as soon as possible. And uh, just, you know, again, try to get in there and 
inform first and foremost. And uh, second, you know, just explain, like you said, uh, because, you know, you can get a 30 page report of just information. And of course, without the proper context, that can that can be misleading. So, oh, yeah. And it can be really scary, too. You know, I tell buyers, make sure you talk to your inspector after the inspection and don't just wait on that report because you get that report and you're like, man, this house is going to fall down. Yeah. Um, this is terrible. I can't buy this. But if you talk to your inspector, they'll tell you actually what the issues are and what to look out for. And maybe what's just normal wear and tear on a home. So, yeah, no, you guys do a really good job in talking to people after the inspections and explaining, you know, what's going on, what you should really be concerned about, and what you really just don't need to worry about so much. So I like that with home inspectors a lot. Well, I'll say this and, uh, you know, kudos to you for that. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, we're doing a podcast together, but I have literally been a part of other agents and agencies, you know, high profile agents that, uh, you know, they want the report, they get it out. And I never even had an opportunity to talk to the client. And then I get a phone call, like my clients are scared. Yes, send them over to me. Let me talk to them. I will explain everything. There was only three things on this report that I really felt just required immediate attention and were very pertinent. And, you know, again, three, you know, there's obviously, you know, as home inspectors, it's our goal to inform. And, you know, we get, we get that, that, that side of things to where we want to be extremely thorough. We want to nitpick and we want to, you know, rip that house apart. Uh, but on that same token, you know, it is imperative if we have that mindset, if you have a very thorough inspector, you have to divulge that information. Um, because otherwise, you know, if you don't have any context, if you're a first time home buyer, at that point, you're going to start reading all this information and it, it's going to get away from you. So, oh, okay. um, so, so good, good on you for referring back to the inspector saying, talk to him first before you have a meltdown. So, yes. <laughs> well, and especially a lot of our, the people that, that I come in contact with are investors. So if you look at a report and say, this house is terrible, I can't buy it. And there's actually only, like you said, three issues in there that really matter. Yeah. And you might've missed a really good deal as an investor by seeing a report that scared you away from buying the deal. So, you know, I know you guys have done a lot for me in the Austin area. What, is kind of your range of areas that you work in around Austin? Well, typically we stay busy enough in the Austin area, but um, we don't really have a range. I, I say that loosely. It kind of depends on the property. I love a challenge. We see, uh, you know, we, we see different, different types of, of structures, homes, commercial, you know, properties. We see it all. Uh, here recently, actually, what, Friday, I'm going to Houston. Uh, now, now this is for a friend uh, who's in the real estate business and she's transitioning over there. So I, I, I don't get out to Houston often. I don't want that market right now. I don't have the inspectors to, to take it on. Um, but that being said, you know, again, where our clients need us, where our agents need us, if we can do it in the time frame you need it uh, and the time frame, obviously the client needs it, then, you know, we're, we're not going to say no. Um, and then, you know, I would hate to limit. We just did a lodge uh, on a 6,000 acre property down near the coast. Uh, it was roughly 14 buildings, uh, including the lodge. I mean, you had a deer processing plant. 
bunkhouses. <laughs> I mean, it was it was wild. Um, and you know, it was it was an awesome experience. It's something I'd never seen before in ten years of doing this. Uh, so we try not to limit ourselves because we need those structures, those homes, to get us away from the cookie cutter everyday norm. Uh, you know, while everything is fun and it's exciting and you know it's interesting, um, you know, when you start doing the same thing, it kind of puts you in a not a rut but a mindset, uh, and you need to break yourself out of that mindset because that's what makes an inspector. You know, that's what sharpens our tools is seeing those different structures, always, you know, keeping us on our toes. Awesome. So I guess, you know, that leads me, leads me to my next question. What types of properties do you inspect? You know, because that's, that's kind of way out there compared to, just oh, yeah. that, like you said, a cookie cutter house. Uh, well, I'd say 90, 90% of our, of our business is going to be traditional, uh, you know, residential anything from a thousand square foot condo all the way to on average, I would say the biggest we typically do weekly is probably around 6,000 square feet. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we, we definitely have some, some high end, uh, market and those, those are always fun. Um, and then I would say 10% is going to be ranches, commercial, and just the, you know, kind of the out of the blue structure. Some of those unique, you know, like tiny homes or, um, you know, bungalows, tree houses, literal tree houses, like two bed, one bath tree houses. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, but yeah, uh, again, 90% is, is going to be residential ranging everything from, you know, 1930s, uh, all the way to, you know, brand new builds. Then of course we've, we've, just brought, you know, in the past year and a half phase inspections, which is actually inspecting at the building process. So before you pour the foundation, before you put the insulation and the sheet rock up, and then of course the final inspection. So we see a lot of new builds going up and most of the builders are doing pretty good most of the time. So, but there are those few that, you know, we have to hold accountable. So I'm interested in that. Could you tell me more about the phase inspections? I don't know much about that. I know there's different phases of building a home, you know, framing, electrical, all that stuff. But can you tell us about the phases that you inspect? Absolutely. Um, so I, it depends on the inspector, uh, at least for my firm. Uh, I have two inspectors that have had training, uh, you know, with the phase process. Uh, I would consider us more of a QC, QA type of inspector. Um, you know, we do use code. We use the RSC 2018, uh, you know, same as what the city of Austin. But you start getting those surrounding areas. Uh, Georgetown, I believe, is on 18. Uh, but, you know, you start getting those outliers like Gerald. Uh, you can start finding that there's only abiding by RSC 2015. Without getting too technical, our goal is to go in three days before the pouring of the foundation for the concrete. And we want to inspect, uh, let's say it's post-tension, uh, we want to inspect those cables. We want to make sure that the builder is cleaning the trash out of the beams that could lead to voids. 
especially in areas, you know, you and I both know there are pockets in Austin that have very expansive soil. You want those beams to be as structurally sound as possible. And, you know, I, I we can only assume that they're going to do that, but you want to hold that accountability uh, and you want to make sure that there's that point of reference. So before they actually start pouring the concrete, which again, you will never see those areas again. And I hope you don't yeah. until, <laughs> unless there's an issue down the road. Um, but so we, as you know, at LGM, we want to go out and we want to inspect to make sure that there is a quality product in place for our clients. Um, so we will look at plans, we will use code, but it's not really a code inspection because primarily in our area, we have code inspectors that will come out and do that, city inspectors. At the end of the day, it's hard because we can't yell at the, you know, the builders and give them red tags and say, shut down, you know, construction. Our power lies with the voice that we have with our clients saying, hey, the guys are doing a really good job, but these are areas that they're failing in. You know, you need to back this up. You need to make sure they get this done. Uh, so it empowers our client to do so. Same thing with a phase two inspection, which is three days before sheetrock. Ideally, it can be within a week, but you want it close enough to fix problems, not too close to push out deadlines. So and that's the idea with all phase inspections, at least for our side. Again, we, we use plans and we look at those plans, but we really use our knowledge of, you know, of how structures should be built. Uh, and it does go very in depth. I mean, you know, obviously if you look at an IRC uh, book, it's, I've got the commentary right here and it's, I don't know, 6,000 pages. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I, and we're trying to infuse all that knowledge into our brain. And there are some inspectors out there that are what they're called ICC rated inspectors. Those are essentially your code inspectors and they're going to be um, well versed with the IRC. And again, we're, we're moving towards that, but we found that our strength lies with making sure and, you know, making sure our clients know what they're buying, holding the builder accountable. And so far, it's, it's been a wonderful transition. We've only had a couple builders, uh, you know, come back and, you know, they were flustered. I mean, obviously, these guys have 20 to 30 homes under their belt, which is, I wouldn't do that to my worst enemy. Uh, but <laughs> they're, they're just strapped down and struggling. Uh, you know, and, and that's, that's, you know, good for inspectors. It's bad for the consumer, obviously. Yeah. Um, so until things kind of balance out, we want to make sure we're giving a product that, uh, you know, is going to, once again, empower the client. Uh, it's going to inform them. It's going to make sure that they feel comfortable that first day that they move in or when they sign that check uh, before they, you know, rent it out, especially if it's an investor. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, I did not know anything about that. So I learned something new today. Um, awesome. Yeah, I obviously have been through, you know, those walkthroughs, you're doing the framing walkthrough, you're doing you know, some, some of the more final walkthroughs with the builders, but I've never known that I could have a home inspector come look at it for me. I always recommend that people, obviously, no matter the age of the home, get a home inspection. So if it's brand new, not even done being built, get a home inspection, but Obviously, if it's older and has older systems, it's another thing you really want to think about, um, which, you know, I think that's something we could talk about here, too. What are some older systems, maybe electrical, plumbing, roof related that you tell people to look out for? 
Oh, uh, that that is a wide varied question. Um, I mean, we're we're looking at all the systems. I, I guess to jump into it, obviously, when it comes to electrical, like my personal house is a 1979 build. Uh, it had not been remodeled uh, from the day that I moved in uh, until the day I remodeled it. Meaning, I dug into this and again, you know, kind of harping on electrical. If you go into a house like this and an old established house, I mean, you get the lot, you get the trees, you get the size, you get cool houses uh, if they've been maintained. And that's the most important thing, you know, before I really hop into that. It's always nice to go into a house. And if you love it because it, it just it looks nice and feels nice and it's been loved, that is honestly the best compliment I can pay any house and, of course, any homeowner. But just know this uh, for all those who don't. Uh, as soon as you start opening up walls, as, start as, you, as, as soon as you start opening up those electrical panels, um, depending on the age range, uh, you are going to find some nasty, nasty things. Uh, now, that could just be outdated wiring practices like double up neutrals. You know, all inspectors, all Trek licensed inspectors are required to note on. Um, to this day, 3,000 plus homes later, I do not know of a single client that's ever repaired double up neutrals. So it's, I mean, it's just wiring. Uh, it's like I said, out, outdated wiring practice. But it's when we start seeing those overheated wiring. It's when we start seeing those wiring practices that are prone to overheating and potential fire hazards. Again, those things that you know might get lost in a, a very large report right in the middle of the text. You know, some inspectors will embolden it. Some inspectors will just talk about it. Some inspectors never say anything to anybody. So again, you know, going back to what you initially said, you defer, you know, your clients back to the inspector. That is the smartest thing that, you know, that can be done. So that way a game plan can come up. Now you're savvy. So I know you've, uh, you educate your clients and help them and walk them through that process. But again, it can never be reinforced enough. So Going back into it with the the electrical, like my personal house, I found that I had a 30 amp breaker running my cooktop, my wall mounted oven, and possibly the microwave. I don't even know how, I don't know how it never popped. I don't know how my house didn't burn down. Um, but again, so when I started wiring up my house, of course I had my master electrician with me. He's like, Lance, hey, come here, check this out. He's, he just looks at me, he just starts shaking his head like, you are so like, how long have you lived in this house? I do not know how it hasn't burned down yet. And I'm like, Jimmy, I love you to death, man. Thank you. Uh, so obviously, you know, we're opening up those walls. We're getting to those circuits. Uh, I'm having a great time doing it, you know, because no matter how much we know and how long we've been doing it, we are the enforcers, the overseers and the rule, uh, you know, uh, we're the ones who know the rules. Uh, but it's when you get your hands dirty. Uh, that it, you know, all that knowledge finally comes into place and you kind of see how it all plays out. And it's, it's awesome. The most important thing though, is not everything has to be done just because a home inspector is calling it as an issue. There are again, outdated practices, grandfathered rules, um, you know, old code, however you want to call it. Um, you know, there's just some things that don't necessarily need to be updated until it becomes an issue or if you just take your house down to the studs and at that point, why would you not do it? Yeah. So, uh, and, and I think that, I think that's the most important thing because I have had clients in the past and they're like, well, this is not to code. This is not to code. This is not to code. We got to fix this. We got to, we got to tell the seller we're going to negotiate for this. And I just want to give them a hug. And I just want to, 
It's like, you need to talk to Jordan on this, not me. Uh, no, I, I think that's the most important thing is that people need to understand uh, not everything is a health hazard. Not everything is going to burn down your house. And there are a lot of molehills. Not everything is a mountain. Um, so again, and you know, the majority of our reports are going to be molehills. But you know, those molehills, I promise, will turn to mountains one day if left unchecked. And that's another thing I try to educate people on is what you can do today for $5 is going to be $15 tomorrow, which is $50 next week, which is, you know, a, a lot more next year. So, um, you know, it's, again, we're just trying to set up everybody for success, but as far as the systems, I mean, we're trying to, we're trying to find mold. We are trying and we're nobody. Well, I can't say nobody. Most of us, that I've come across, uh, you know, in, in my years are not mold inspectors. We just have seen it. We've been around it. Uh, and we're not allowed to say that word, by the way. So yeah. let me, let me take that back, edit that out. Unknown dark substance. Uh, <laughs> so we are trying to find those substances that smell earthy. Uh, we are trying to find overheated wiring. We are trying to make sure all your systems are running, you know, to the nines, uh, even if they are 30 years old or 40 years old. Uh, <laughs> and then we're trying to explain to people, you have the one in a thousand water heater, the one in a thousand HVAC system that's still running after all these years. And then I know they're like, of course, I want a new one, uh, $12,000, you know, infinity, you know, a carrier infinity, just this awesome AC. I'm like, well, that's kind of difficult because it's still doing a good job. And it looks pretty good, but again uh it's it's rare um <laughs> I, I will say this trying to explain to people again you know expect the day that you move into this house it's going to break on you yeah. it, it, just expect it uh plan for it uh but you may get another year you may get two you, you, you just never know some systems are out there when i you know remodeled my house i had two 40 year old water heaters 40? they were 40 years 79 and 80. what <laughs> Seriously, I've never seen that old. I, me either. I was I was the one in a million. Uh, and even when I took them out, I just I, I give them a high five every morning. Great job, guys! Way to kick it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, when you do a remodel, some things have to go, even if they're still working. I'm sure the efficiency. I probably alluded to why I had a four hundred dollar electric bill every month. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It was. So, but, you know, I guess to sum your question up uh, after this lengthy explanation, we're trying to hit a house top to bottom, left to right. We really want to get our eyes on every single inch of that house. And we're really looking at every single appliance uh, that that you could imagine a brand new house would have. So obviously refrigerators, wash machines, dryers, we don't look at things like that. Um, you know, water softeners, so those kind of extracurriculars, but your base appliances, uh, you know, obviously the HVAC system is one of the most important, especially in Texas. Um, water heaters, you know, all that. We want to make sure that the installs look good, the functionality is good. And again, our primary goal is the day that somebody moves in or buys that property, it is as seamless of a transition as it possibly can be. And if there's any hiccups, they know about them. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I like what you said there. Um, and I, I've seen a ton of inspection reports and really a lot of it is just, hey, this is what you can do is prevented, preventative maintenance to keep this property going really well. And when it comes to the appliances like the furnace and water heater, 
Nobody ever replaces that stuff until it breaks. So yeah, don't be surprised if you see a water heater from 1979. That's <laughs> probably not going to happen to many people. But no, it apparently, I mean, you didn't replace it. You bought the house. Sounds like you lived in it for a while. Yep. Didn't replace it until you just were remodeling the whole house. So it, it never gave me any issues. It never leaked. It never went on the fritz. Every morning I woke up, turned on the hot water, take a shower. I could take a 25 minute shower almost on the dot. After that, it went cold. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, you just, I learned to live with, you know, what I had. Uh, but at a certain point, you know, it, I'm trying to make my house personally more efficient. And again, in Texas, with the level of heat, uh, with our electrical grid infrastructure, <laughs> all those worries, uh, it, it's wise to, you know, make your home as efficient uh, as possible. You know, what kills me, though, is the one improvement I should have done the day I moved in. I mean, I've been in my house for 10 years. Um, and again, it kills me. Because if I knew then, at, you know, day one, what I know now, I could have made a $700 improvement in my insulation in my attic. And I could have changed my thermostat on the wall and saved at least $150 a month on my worst peak months in electric. That's thousands of dollars that I just handed away. Yeah. <laughs> so it's those are the things we're trying to educate our clients on these days. So we can essentially save them from the, you know, the, the issues that we've already lived through. Absolutely. So when it comes to reading the inspection report, how do you recommend that somebody read their inspection report? If they've, they've talked to their inspector and then they get that inspection report in their email at seven or 8 PM at night. How do you so, read it? Easiest way, it kind of depends on their level of comfort, meaning how many homes have they owned. If they are savvy, they know houses very well, they just want to know exactly what it is, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to educate them or, you know, teach. They know enough to be able to read through the report, disseminate the information. Uh, and then it kind of goes from how savvy to first time home buyer uh, that is walking in their, you know, young 20s, buying a 1930s unremodeled house. And again, these are your clients. You want to give them a hug because, you know, they are gung ho. You see that, you know, that, that fire in their eyes. We're going to fix everything. We're going to do it all ourselves. <laughs> You're like, come on. Um, so for those, you can start seeing the, <laughs> the fire in their eyes die as they start reading that report. <laughs> Just that enthusiasm, that enthusiasm turns to fear immediately. Uh, especially on something like that. So for those type of clients, I always try to advise guys, get a glass of wine, shot of tequila or beer. If, if you drink, uh, start off with one of those and then take my summary page that is just pure deficiency information. We only put deficiencies in our summary, no you know extracurricular information at all. And just read it because you're gonna read probably four to six pages of just information. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be overwhelming because you're going to start reading through it and notice, well, they're calling up. My doors don't latch because of strike plates. Oh, we got lights that aren't working in the bathroom. Uh, you know, some very small minor improvements. Uh, you know, in most of those reports, uh, you could knock off almost an entire page with a tube of coffee. 
So <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but that tube of caulking is going to prevent water from getting in your house and you having moisture damage and mold, you know, all behind a wall system. So, uh, you know, while I laugh about it, you know, those call outs, you know, are, are from to me very important because I've seen what happens to those older homes. Uh, or even newer homes that don't have that. So uh, easiest way, start with the summary page, work your way down, kind of, you know, take, take it in bites, uh, and then start from page one, uh, you know, the structural systems. And that way you can start seeing pictures. And it, if you ever kind of get to the point where you don't know what an inspector is trying to convey, pictures are paramount. It is our duty and a job to come up with the best pictures to explain something that you know is not commonly known, you know whether that's for an agent, client, uh, investor. Obviously, investors want to see you know if they're out of state, out of town, um, they're going to want to see those pictures because they'll give them a great idea of what they're buying. You know because we all see pictures online on Zillow and those uh, those home apps, um, and they're beautiful. And I tell you, it's rare I actually get in the home after seeing all those beautiful pictures that they, it looks like that when I get there. So <laughs> that's my job is to make it look beautiful online. Well, and of course, in person, but we try to make it look as good as possible online to get people into the house. Well, you do a bang up job, everything I'm seeing, because <laughs> those things are gorgeous. <laughs> We've got a few not too gorgeous ones coming on this week. So you'll see some more yes. that, that don't look so great. Um, that's the season by the way with everything with the with the amount of houses I, I guess the low inventory we are seeing the wildest houses you know just massive quantities of deferred maintenance mm -hmm. uh you know I, i've seen i've seen some doozies i mean the oldest home i've ever done was 19 or no i'm sorry 1890s plantation home out in cameron texas like 5,000 square feet just to kind of give you a sense of what I walked into, the foundation and wall repair, which the wall was shiplapped and plaster and all that good stuff, over $500,000 worth of repair, just the walls and foundation. Whoa. Yeah. So I've, I've seen some doozies. Now, it feels like I'm seeing 1890 homes at least three times a week. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's it's crazy what's going on. I mean, people now know because it's a seller's market. They're like, I'm not going to fix this. And I'm gonna get top dollar. So it's, I see the advantages for certain people. Um, and it's, yeah, again, it's, it's a crazy market, but um, no, it's uh, what I'm saying to you is those homes that you just talked about, that's commonplace right now. That is um, what we're seeing a day in a day out. So. Awesome. Um, Lance, what's your, your advice for people looking to buy in Austin on things to look out for? So I know we have a lot of foundation issues here. Sure. Looking on that, what's your advice for people to look out for in Austin? Well, I'd say this, uh, and, and it's funny because I do have this conversation, uh, you know, more often than than, than not. Um, you know, clients love to ask the inspector, "Should I buy this home?" Would you buy this home? They have all these little variations of trying to drag out a personal opinion from somebody who is trying to be abstract, uh, somebody who is unbiased, and somebody who has never seen that property or, or not may have any interest in that property. And I, I try to explain to people, um, 
it depends on price point. It depends on what you're buying, what your goals are. So ultimately, to answer your question, I don't think there's any bad property in Austin. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I don't see it. I, again, I've seen this, you know, I've seen the market. And, you know, it's funny because the old joke between inspectors and agents and, you know, everybody in the industry, oh, we got three more years. Ah, in three more years, everything's going to change. Oh, it's going to fall three more years. And, you know, obviously I've seen multiple iterations of that. And it's only gotten wilder. It's only gotten crazier. And, you know, it's just the influx of people coming in. Just It's such an awesome town. I spent my whole life trying to get to Austin. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm from Waco. So, you know, hour and a half away. And, you know, from there, I tried to go to UT. And then I saw the, uh, <laughs> the rental prices in the late 90s. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not going there. I can't afford that. I paid, I paid, my, I paid my way through college. And um, so I went to the school across the railroad tracks. Uh, I, I don't want to say this because I'm going to push a lot of, you know, potential business away, but a and um, <laughs> And so the funny part is, you know, the whole time I've always been trying to get to Austin. And the joke I love to tell people is I brought everybody with me. Because I tell you, there was that influx from like 2010. I swear everybody's like just descended on Austin. And, you know, right after the 2008 housing boom, or a bust, I should say. Um, and so I got in this business right after all that craziness. And every year, it seems like, you know, we're doing about 15 to 30% more business depending on the year. And even during, you know, COVID, uh, you know, we had that when everything locked down uh, that first week in March, um, you know, I was concerned. I pulled back office hours. I told everybody, hey, we'll share inspections. We'll do whatever we can to, you know, survive this. You know, we're, we're all a team. We're all a family. Um, and, you know, we're all going to find a way to make it through this. So at that point, um, you know, we had a slow week. I think we did eight, eight inspections that week. And then the week after that, it was on like 30 inspections. It just, it came down and like we couldn't breathe. I, it it, it was it was beyond wild uh, and it didn't stop. And just up until recently have things kind of just, it seems, let's call it normalized. Mm-hmm. I know things are not normalized, but it feels like it from, you know, where we've come from. Um, so going back to that, again, that's me alluding to the fact that I don't think there's a bad house in this town because of how many people want to move here, how desirable in the area this is. Yes, there's broken foundations. You know, the southeast area of Austin, the east, even pockets on the west side of 35, um, you know, there is clay, caliche, expansive soils, but stuff like that can be mitigated. I mean, we have some amazing foundation companies around here. We have some amazing engineers that can come up with plans. Um, and then at that point, even some of these foundation companies have been around for a long time. They're offering lifetime warranties. So we have the contractors. The hard part right now is because there's so many people until we get balanced out, you just kind of have to wait. So again, it goes back to me saying somebody needs to know their tolerances. If you know your tolerances at that point, you can get away with a broken foundation get away with a, a roof that needs to be replaced with these past couple of hailstorms. Uh, you know, almost probably one in five inspections we're doing need a new roof. That's a lot. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm even noticing some of the larger insurance companies coming out and they're saying, well, we're not going to insure this roof. So they're becoming more of a stickler. They're actually sending their adjusters out to assess before, uh, you know, the insuring roofs. So that's kind of, that's changed the dynamic of inspections. We used to go up there and see a couple of hell hits and like, eh, 
you know, yes, there's some minor hell damage, no repair is going to be warranted or needed. And now it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. We'll say that. So um, going back to that, it all depends on how much deferred maintenance. So watch out for deferred maintenance. Uh, obviously foundation's always the big one. Um, and older units, a lot of people, we had another uh, home that we just inspected out in Buda. Unfortunately, the client had to spend, uh, it was a hundred or 150,000 over ask. It was a, you know, a, a substantial amount of money. And, you know, she, I think they gave that client, uh, you know, in the neighborhood of 40 to $50,000 concession because they knew it needed a new septic system. But, and this client did everything in her power except for one test, which was a sewer scan. Uh, we did a static because it had, you know, foundation repairs. And so, and this kind of alludes to, you know, what some people can go through and again, what to watch out for is a 1980s build. Um, it had a remodel and it looked good, but you still ran to, I think it was a 20 year old HVAC system. It was working at the time of inspection. Um, there were evidence where the system backed up, but again, it was a septic system that was outdated and needed to be replaced. Uh, so, you know, a lot of that, you know, drain, there was a lot of just gunk and buildup around the drain system underneath the sinks. So, you know, that things have been backing up. Um, and then of course the septic guys came out and was like the system shot, you need a new system. Um, so we go through, she did everything, static pressure passed. Uh, hydrostatic pressure test, I should say, which is evaluating the plumbing lines to ensure there's no break or separation. So um, that passed. And then uh, sure enough, three weeks after she got a new septic system, things started backing up again. And the one test that she didn't opt to do was a, a sewer scan. And sure enough, the root system uh, of a large tree, again, 1980s, very beautiful established oak that you're not going to do anything with got its massive roots and sure enough when those pipe when they jacked up the um the house those roots just intertwined and intertangled in the in the drain system but it was such a mass that it even passed the hydrostatic wow yeah i mean again maybe maybe if the hydrostatic had ran for an hour meaning we you know, we look for and wait for an hour. But, you know, if we'd have done the hydrostat, or I'm sorry, the sewer scan, we would have immediately seen that mass and said, well, okay, we got to, we got to jump ahead of this. So uh, again, in this instance, I've got, uh, and I know you do too, uh, some wonderful contractors that were able to get over there and, you know, immediately take care of it, pennies on the dollar, as opposed to some of the companies that would have come out and bid that. So, um, you know, and again, that's, that's what we are. So, Know your tolerances, make sure you've got a network of people that can assist you. Uh, you know, a lot of investors do have that network already built in. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just getting an idea of how much things are gonna cost for them. Uh, first time home buyers, know your tolerance, know your knowledge level, don't bite off more than you can chew. Uh, because again, just seeing the, there's a lot of desirable homes in you know South Austin, but all those homes are 1960s, 1950s, or before, unless you're getting like a new uh, townhome set up. So um, trying to take on those challenges, it, it can be it can be a lot. Uh, coming from a man who pretty much demoed his entire house, uh, tried to put it back together, ran out of time, and had to hire a whole bunch of contractors to come in, so my wife didn't get mad at me. So <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, I appreciate all the advice there, Lance. 
Absolutely. So, moving on, we asked we asked this question of every guest, and I'd just love to hear your answer. Do you yeah. have a favorite business or mindset book that you like to recommend to people? I know you run a great business there at LGM. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll be honest. My background uh, is pretty much what has helped me envision the goal of LGM, the future of LGM. Uh, you know, yes, I went to college, but my degree was in sociology. Uh, I was always a science major. Uh, so, you know, I, I love biology, chemistry, uh, and then, of course, the, you know, interactions of, of people. Um, I, I've always found that fascinating. But one thing that I kicked myself for is I did not get a business degree. And, and I should have. I mean, it, it would have taught me a lot more than what I know now. But I, I go into every day, uh, at least the mindset, with a service background that I've forged for myself. Uh, my first job uh, when I was 18 years old was a uh, fine dining uh, waiter. So, yeah, it was it was awesome. And the chef was like a father uh, that probably wanted to beat me uh, a lot for especially I think my second day I spilled uh, two teas down his CPA's daughter's back on her graduation day. I almost got fired for that. I'm pretty sure uh, that same day he told me if I were in, if I dropped another drink, I'm out. Like, you can't have that. This is not fine dining with people dropping drinks. Uh, so an hour later, I dropped two glasses of water in the previous owner's lap. Uh, took off my tuxedo jacket, expected to walk out. He's like, no, Lance, come here. That saved your job. I hate that guy. So <laughs> uh, all that aside, you know, he, he forged, you know, this, this concept of, you know, customer service. I saw the way that man worked day in and day out, probably 80 hours every week. He was the chef. He was the restaurant owner. Him and his wife just took a hold of this business and made it theirs. And I just, I saw the love. I saw the passion. And in this business, you have to have both. Uh, you have to have love for your clients. You have to have passion for construction. Um, you know, anybody can learn rules. Anybody can learn how to build. But you know, you, you have to take your time and you have to go through every home uh, and, and really pick it apart to find those things that are hidden that are going to bite somebody. Those $8,000, $10,000, dollars repairs, you can't just walk in 30 minutes, an hour later and just say, ah, you got a nice house. Um, and, and the hard part with this business is training people and getting people to have that passion. Because again, if, if they're willing to give you time and if they have, you know, the intelligence behind it, you can train anybody. Uh, you know, well, I say just about anybody. Uh, I mean, you have to have a touch of OCD in this job too. Uh, so if you can find those characteristics, it really helps. But, you know, going through that, just a, a strong customer service base and then, um, you know, my daycare when I was, you know, a kiddo was volunteering at a VA medical center. So, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, my mom was very impassioned with that. Uh, she was director of volunteer services. So, obviously, <laughs> I, I had I, I was doing from the beginning. You are going to go volunteer. You are going to help people. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's you're going to take these life experiences. And it's funny. Just. I had met a whole array of people, you know, from all different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, and you get to see and you get to empathize and you get to learn these things that, uh, you know, kind of mold and shape you. Um, but again, it really, I, I, I've just, I've done a lot of jobs in my life and I've, I've seen and talked to a lot of people. 
Um, and all that is kind of shaped and molded um, how I run the business, how I want the business, uh, you know, to progress and move forward. But at the end of the day, I only run by one principle that we are there for our clients, their needs, their wants, whatever that is, we do it. So, and if at the end of the day, if we don't set the expectations for our clients and give them the information and make sure that they get what they feel that they need, we failed. So, and I've just impressed that upon all the guys. It's like, you know, no matter how you go about your inspection, that is the one thing that we have to do. Talk, communicate, get an idea of their expectations. And then at that point, once you have that information, you can bring it in and then you can make sure that they get what they want so they are successful. So. Awesome. No, I love that. So Lance, if people are looking to get a hold of you and your company and maybe get some inspection work done, what's the best way to do that? Well, um, easiest way is going to be uh, calling our office line, which uh, is at 512-808-0546. We have an online scheduler. Uh, if you're more tech savvy and you don't really want to talk to anybody, uh, and again, that's at, you know, lgminspections.com. Um, past that, uh, you know, you can text the, the number I just previously, you know, said. Um, but at the end of the day, just let us know what you need um, and, you know, what, I guess, what items you want. Uh, you know, we'd love to be out there and be able to help. Yeah, no, I, I, I love the, the text thing. I use that a lot for clients. I'll just text the number and you guys get back to me right away. All right, last question here, Lance. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin? Uh, well, I got to be honest, it is going to be Madam Mams. That place is delicious. <laughs> so I got my first taste of Madam Mams on the Anderson Lane location. Uh, I don't remember what we were doing on the day, but we were looking for a good Thai food place. Mm -hmm. uh, love Thai food. Um, I, you know, I may be white and pale, but uh, I, I have a very spicy uh, demeanor on life. We'll say that. So it, it's rare that any restaurant has given me a dish that, uh, I, I, well, they just don't do it. I just don't get spicy food. Uh, not unless you go to a wing store that specializes and, you know, here's a release uh, <laughs> document. Uh, so that way you don't sue us afterwards. I, I'm sure I've never done that. But, um, you know, I, I like my flavor. So go to Madam Mams. They have just these most flavorful, uh, they have decent spice uh, and just, you know, just aromatic dishes. Um, and I've just never had a bad experience. So, and they're, they're spring rolls with peanut sauce out of this world. Awesome. I'll have to try that out. I have not been to Madam, Madam Mams. So I've got a few locations. Anderson Lane is really good. And the one Galleria BKs, they do a really good job too. Awesome. I'll check it out. Cool. All right. Thank you so much for coming on here, Lance. We appreciate your time. And again, anybody that needs to reach out, just go to lgminspections.com or we will have that phone number here in the show notes so you guys can reach out to it. Thanks, Lance. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. I appreciate you having me, Jordan. You have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon.